Hi, my name is Jackie Marcel, and I serve here at Heights Baptist Church in the children's ministry. Thank you so much for joining us today online. If you would like to connect with us, you can go to our Facebook page, you can go to our Instagram, or you can go to our website at heightschurch.org connect. Thank you for joining us. Amen. You know, we've been in a series through the book of Ephesians, if you're new with us, uh, called Empowering Grace, uh, Finding Your Identity in Christ, because it is Christ that gives us our identity, and we need His grace to be able to learn that identity and how to live that out in a very, very practical, everyday life. And if you are a football fan, uh, you know that at the end of a game at times, there's something called a Hail Mary Pass. And it is when, you know, the end of a game, uh, team's trailing, you've got the ball for the final possession, and the quarterback just essentially launches up a pass. It's called a Hail Mary because it's a last option. Hopefully the receiver is going to catch it in the end zone and you're going to score. It's a pass of desperation. When it comes to the topic of prayer, there are a lot of times in our personal lives we treat prayer like a Hail Mary pass. We do everything possible to solve the situation, and then out of desperation, last gaps, last opportunity, all right, I guess I'll pray. Or maybe you think of it this way, prayer for a lot of people is like hitting a pinata. If I pray a certain way and I say the right words and say them at the right time, maybe I'll hit, you know, God as the pinata and all the answers and the goodies will come spilling out. Corey Timboom said it this way, that prayer for Christians sometimes is the spare tire and not the steering wheel. You know, what God has done, and, and, and why I love this passage, and it's one of my favorite passages in the book of Ephesians, and I actually had somebody uh, ask me the other day, they say, you know, you often say that this is one of your favorite passages in a book. How are all these your favorite passages? My response was, it's God's word. It's all good, right? And, and so, like, this is literally one of my favorite passages uh, in the book of Ephesians because of how practical this is. Like, if you ever think, man, this Bible is written over, you know, centuries ago, 2,000 years ago, man, that doesn't really speak to my everyday life. Well, let me introduce you to the words of Paul here, because this is as practical as you're possibly going to get. I don't know, have you had somebody in your life recently go, how can I pray for you? Anybody ever had that? You know, I have people that text me sometimes during the week. It's like, Pastor, how can I pray for you this week? Or maybe somebody said, can you pray for me? And you think, I don't know what to pray about. Or somebody comes up to you, hey, how can I pray for you? Here's an answer. Pray this passage we're about to go through. <laughs> because I love for people to pray for me this way. I love to pray for people this way. This is how practical this is. Because what's been happening in the book of Ephesians so far is Paul has been writing about your identity in Jesus. And now he's transitioning to how we live this out on a practical everyday level of our identity and salvation in Christ. And so he's going to show us here's how we can pray for one another. And I got a statement there on the screen that you can look at this morning, just kind of sum up what Paul's after. And this is just how I love how practical this is. This is what we need to do. Pray to, for others to know the love of Christ so that they live out the love of Christ. Think about that. Isn't that a good way 
to pray for each other. I mean, just think, I mean, who, who would agree with me on that? Wouldn't you want somebody praying for you that way, right? You know, and that's the way we can do for each other. We can pray for each other to know just how much God loves us so we live out that love in our marriages, in our homes, in our workplace, at school, everywhere we go. And so Paul is just going to give us a prayer that we can put into practice. And I just want to walk you through the prayer and teach you how to pray that way so you don't treat prayer as a Hail Mary or like hitting a pinata or a spare tire. So here's what we're going to learn first, that we need to pray to God our Father. All right, when we pray, we need to pray to God our Father. So let's pick back up into verse 14. Paul saying, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with his power through his spirit in your inner being. We're going to stop right there for a second. So Paul's saying, we pray to God our Father. Now you notice verse 14, he starts out, for this reason. And if you've been with us, we've just been moving line by line through this. And what happened in chapters one through two, Paul has been laying out how great salvation is, how amazing it is that we were once far from God, but now brought near by, uh, by the blood of Jesus Christ, how we were alienated. And now we're a part of the covenant of salvation. He showed us that we were in our sin, but it is Christ that made us alive together with Christ. And when you read chapters one through two, you go, wow, like look how amazing it is of God's grace and salvation in my life. So when he starts chapter three, he actually starts a prayer. And in chapter three, verse one, he says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. And then what he does from chapter or from verses two through 13 is he goes on a rabbit trail. All right. And so whenever you look at a preacher and goes, man, that guy's rabbit trailing, he's off script. That's just Paul too. All right. So uh, he was just as guilty as I am sometimes because Paul said, hang on before I keep talking to him and start praying. I got a few more things to say about salvation. And he's taught us how Jew and Gentiles now get together in the church. And so now he's finished up that holy rabbit trail and verse 14, he's back in prayer and he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the father. So when we pray, we're praying to God our Father. And, and he, he uses that phrase, bow my knees. And that's actually really interesting because he's speaking of a posture of prayer in which he's physically bowing. Now, understand this about Jews, the customary way that Jewish people pray and still pray today. You may see uh, you know, news clippings praying at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem as they stand when they pray. Very rarely in Scripture do you see them kneeling when they pray. Uh, Solomon, when he dedicated the temple, bowed his knee in prayer. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says he bowed his knee, or your translation may say fell on his, onto the ground. Paul, when he's leaving Ephesus in his final farewell sermon, when he talks to them in Ephesians, or excuse me, Acts chapter 20, he bows in prayer on his knees. And so throughout scripture, you're going to see different physical postures of prayer. You can pray while you're standing, 
You can pray bowing. You can pray sitting. Uh, you can pray running on the treadmill at Planet Fitness. You can pray walking. There's not one physical posture of prayer uh, that the Bible says, here's how you have to pray. But understand, when we bow our knee and we get on our knee before God, there is something where we're physically posturing ourselves to say, you're my king. You're my God. And also when we bow, in a way, he's speaking in the bowing of the heart. See, you, you might physically go, well, I, I can't get on my knees. If I get on my knees, somebody's going to have to help me up, right? You, you may be in that life stage, and that's okay. But listen, what God is going to see is not whether you're bowing and sitting and say, well, he's you know, clearly sitting, and I'm not going to listen to that guy's prayer because this other guy over here is bowing, and he's running on the treadmill at Planet Fitness. No, no, it doesn't work that way. Because what God sees is our heart. Right? And, and that's what he's going to see. And so when you pray, it's posturing your heart. It's bowing before God in prayer in your heart to say, you're my king. You're my God. You're not the big man upstairs. Right? No, we don't disrespect God that way. This is God. This is the God of the universe. This is the creator God. This is the God that's breathed life in us. This is the God that sustains life. And when we pray, he deserves our honor he deserves our respect because he has authority in our lives. And so Paul's here speaking of a physical posture, but also a, a spiritual posture. We come in prayer. We come into prayer reverently. We come into prayer, uh, you know, just being able to say, God, I get to be in your presence in prayer and how amazing that is. And, and when we stop and think about how amazing the gift of prayer is, I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 2 in verse 10 because I want you to notice what God's done in our lives. He says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we need to constantly remember. We're God's workmanship. We're created in Christ. Look in verse 13. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you once were far off, but you've been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Man, I'm going to tell you what a verse to memorize and rehearse in your life. You know, I, since we preached that verse, I've just been thinking over and over of that. How amazing it is that I once was a sinner far off from God. But God, out of his grace and mercies, brought me in a relationship to him by the blood of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? I'm going to tell you, when you're driving in Houston traffic, that's going to change your day when you remember that verse. Right? Because you could somebody cuts you off and you can just pray, Lord, I once was far off from you, but I've been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. And God, I don't know that person that just cut me off in traffic, but I want to pray that they may be far off from you, and I pray you bring them close to you by the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't know that sinner. They just cut me off. But Lord, would you save them just like you saved me? And then I want you to notice verse 15 of chapter 2. He says, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And, and, and when we've looked at the last two weeks, here's what's amazing about our salvation is that God destroys all hostility when you allow him. God breaks down the wall of hostility racially, politically, economically, socially. And when we allow God to take root in our lives, he starts breaking down those walls we build up. And how amazing it is that we get to be sons and daughters of the king. 
And when you stop and you think about all those things, boy, when we come in prayer, we bow our hearts to him. And so when we bow our hearts to him, we're now praying, Paul says, for others to grow spiritually. We want to pray for others to grow spiritually. Let's pick up in verse 16. This is where we're just going to get real practical, okay? So that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant to you to be strengthened with power through the spirit in your inner being. So when you, as a son and daughter of God, when you come to pray, I want you to notice how he's answering you. So let's just think about it as parents for a moment. Those of you that are, are currently parents of little ones, or maybe yours are grown and gone, you're still going to understand this. How did you often answer the request of your kids? You, how did you do that? Did, you don't have to put your hand up, but how many of you may have answered them sometime out of frustration? How many of you answered them sometimes because you were being bothered and you just wanted them to run along, right? How many of you answered them sometimes out of anger? I mean, maybe you answered them out of love from time to time, right? You know, you, you come up to and you're doing something and, hey, can I have this? Can I have this? Yeah, yeah, just, just go, just go. Get out, get out, get it. Just, just go, right? Hey, can I, dad, can I, can I, can I, yeah, yep, just go, just get, just go, go, or you're, right, or you're answering them out of anger, frustration, maybe out of love. Do you notice how how God answers our prayers? I don't want you to miss this. Look in verse 16 again. Just put your finger right there on the text or underline it. It's according to the riches of his glory. Man, just let that soak and marinate for a minute in your mind. So every time you, as a son and daughter of God, come to him as God your father in prayer, he's answering you not out of frustration, Right? Not out of, man, you're bothering me again. Not out of anger. He's answering you according to the riches of his glory. He's answering you abundantly. He's like, wow, we get to do this thing again called prayer. Come on into my presence. And that's what prayer is. It's just coming in the presence of God and relating to him as a kid with the, with the father. And just being in his presence. And God loves that. And he says, I'm going to answer you according to my riches, according to my glory. And here's what we're going to pray. We're going to pray that people are strengthened with the, his power in their inner being. All right? So there's one good practical way we can pray is that people will be strengthened in their inner being, their inner self. Now, if you think about the way we pray often, is we often spend the majority of our times on physical needs. Nothing wrong with that. We need physical things. We need healing and jobs and provisions and all that. But we will spend the majority of our time on the physical and very rarely on the eternal, right? Because the Bible says the physical is it's, it's perishing every day, but the inside, the soul is being renewed day by day. This is what Paul said in, in 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. He says, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Okay, you got that? All right, for those of you on Twitter and Facebook, you remember that one? All right, just underline that, apply that as needed. But notice what he says, rather train yourself for godliness while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So listen, we need to take care of our bodies. That's okay to go work out and it's okay to eat right and, and all those things. That's fine to do, but it's silly of us 
to center all our prayers on the physical and rarely on the eternal. The body's going to pass. That soul's going to be somewhere forever. So as I'm praying for the physical needs of my friends that may be going into surgery or awaiting test results or going through hard times, yeah, I'm going to pray for them, pray for healing, but I'm going to pray spiritually for them that their inner man is strengthened, the soul is strengthened. So we're praying, God, help them to keep the faith. God, help them to strengthen them in their spirit, in their soul. Help them to worship you through that hard time. God, help them to have the courage to share the gospel. God, help them to have the courage, even in the hard time physically, to keep on going and to keep on worshiping you. So yeah, pray for the physical need, but don't miss the spiritual need in that physical prayer request. That's what Paul's saying. We're going to pray for the inner being. But also we're going to pray, secondly, that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. Notice verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you may be rooted and grounded in love. You know, that word dwell, it means to take up residence, uh, to, to be at home. You know, so think about it this way. Some of you have bought houses sometimes that were pretty move-in ready. You didn't have to do anything to them. Some of you may have bought a house that was a fixer-upper. And you said, all right, we got to fix this thing up. And you had to come in and, and, you know, repaint walls and fix plumbing and, you know, redesign some rooms and renovate it. And what you did was you took that fixer-upper of a house and you continued to work on it until you finally said, all right, now we're at home. Now we can dwell here. Now we took this thing that we moved in on and had to change it around to our liking, and now we're settled. So what we're praying here, Paul says, is that Christ would dwell within us, that he would take up residence, he would be at home. So we're praying that as Christ comes into the life of our friends and our family members, that Christ does the renovation project in any of us that he needs to do, right? If you remember that show, Extreme Home Makeover, you remember that, right? That's what needs to happen in my life. That is what needs to happen in your life. Jesus Christ coming into our lives and saying, we've got to change some things. We've got to renovate. We've got to get rid of this. We've got to build this up. We've got to strengthen this. We've got to change all these things. And when Christ is doing that, now Christ is saying, I can be at home. I can find place and residence in your life. And that's the way we want to pray, that people are spiritually strengthened. So we want to pray for others to know the love of Christ so they'll show the love of Christ. But I want you to notice second way Paul prays is that they know the love of God. All right, so they're spiritually going to grow, but also that they know the love of God. Let's pick up in verse 18. He says that they may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses all understanding. You know, that word know there means to have a firm grasp. And that's what Paul's saying is we want people to have a firm grasp as we're praying for them how much God loves them. Isn't it interesting in the text in this prayer that Paul's not saying, I'm going to pray for my friend to love God, right? Now, not a wrong prayer to pray, but did you notice he didn't say, I'm praying for my friend to love God. He's saying, I'm praying for them to know how much God loves them, 
right? I want them to understand, have a firm grasp of the height and the length and the depth and the width of the love of God in their lives. Listen, there's some of you this morning that you are mad at God. You're just mad. You're mad at him because you've lost a child. You're mad at him because of a miscarriage. You're mad at him because of a divorce. You're mad at him because a parent left you. You're mad at him because you got fired from a job. And you're angry with God today. Well, let me tell you this. You can be mad at him, but he's not mad at you. He's not mad at you today. In all that anger you have for him, he's still pouring out his love toward you. He's sustaining you. He's giving you life. He's showing you grace. He's showing you provision. He's showing you love. And this morning, if you have that anger in your heart, I want you to know you can be mad at him right now all you want. But he's not mad at you one bit. He's, you're his son. You're his daughter. And he loves you. And that's what Paul's saying is that we want to pray that people understand that height and length and depth and breadth of God's love for us every moment of every day in our lives. That we would look in verse 19, that we would have that surpassing knowledge, that we would have that firm grip, that we would know that love of God uh, for us in our lives. Now, why pray? Why do that? Do you notice how he ends up? Here's why we pray those prayers, because verses 20 and 21 says this, that God can do far more than we can ever think and imagine. Have you ever thought about that in prayer? When you end a prayer, I do this sometimes and say, Lord, I'm praying about this and I'm praying for this and praying for this. And I lay out my prayer requests for him. And then right as the end of my prayer, I often quote Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. I said, Lord, whatever I've asked for, if you want to do more than I can ever think and imagine, you go right ahead, right? Like, like, Lord, if, if I'm asking for, you know, just a little bit here and you got bigger plans and Lord, you just go right ahead and do that. And that's why we pray because we're coming to a God who says, look, I've got great plans for you. I love you. I want to care for you. I'm pouring out my blessings on you. And all I'm asking you to do is just come and ask. Just come and talk to me. Come and relate to me. Come and pray. And when we come, he's doing far more abundantly in our lives than we can think or ask according to the power at work within us. And then when we end up that prayer, just as Paul did in the end of verse 21, we ended up with a big old thank you. God, thank you. Thank you according to your glory that we are saved by the blood of Jesus. God, thank you for what you've done and what you're doing and what you'll do. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to pray just practically this week. Set aside a couple of minutes every day. Think of one person and just spend a few moments praying just right through this text, just like I did. You could just underline those requests. You could put in somebody's name. Lord, I, I'm just praying for Bob this week to be strengthened in his inner man. Lord, I'm praying for Sally that she would know the love of Christ that you have for her in your life. And, and Lord, I'm just going to pray that you would do far more and think uh, and, and than my friends could think and even imagine in their lives right now. Can you do that this week? Can you pray for others to know the love of Christ, 
so they live out that love of Christ in their lives. So let, let's just put that in practice right where we are. I want to encourage you to just bow your head and close your eyes. Just right in your seats right now, right in your homes. If you're watching this at home and just with your head bowed and eyes closed, I want you to think right now for one person you can pray for. All right, I want you to see them in your mind. It could be that spouse, it could be a kid, a, a grandchild, a friend, a neighbor, a coworker. Just one person you could pray for this morning. I want you to pray for that person by name, just quietly right where you are. Use your own words with God. You talk to him. Pray for that person that you know who's far from God, that you want to see brought close. Who's that person? Who's that child that's gone away from the Lord? You may have raised them in church and they, they walked away from faith. Who's that friend that right now they're far from the Lord and you just want to pray, God, I want to see them come close to you. Will you pray for them by name before God? As you're doing that, maybe who's that person that you know who's angry with God? And, and, and they're just angry. Again, that could be a, a spouse, could be a friend, a parent, whoever it is. And they've got anger toward Lord, the Lord. They've expressed it to you. I want you to just pray for them by name before God right now and just say, Lord, they're angry with you and they're hurt. And I want you to heal that hurt. But Father, I'm going to pray that they would know how much you love them. Will you pray that for that person? Who's that person that's angry with God that you could say, Lord, I want them to know how much you love them. As you're doing that, maybe who's that person this morning that you could pray for their faith to grow, for their faith to get stronger. Again, maybe that's a child, a friend, a, a teenager in your home, a coworker, somebody you're discipling. Lord, I just want to see this person's faith grow. Who's that person? You pray for them. Right now, as you're praying in those, in those ways, praying for somebody that's far from God to come close, for somebody to know how much they're loved by God, you're praying for somebody's faith to grow, I want to just encourage you this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if today you're ready to place your faith and trust in Him, just like my friend Cohen did earlier in his life, and, and you're ready today to say, I'm ready to become a believer in Jesus, you can do that right now where you are, you can just simply say right from your seat something like this, Dear God, I'm ready to place my faith and trust in Jesus. I'm ready to follow Christ in my life. I acknowledge my sin before you. I confess it. And I'm trusting in Jesus as my King, as my Lord, to forgive me of my sin and give me new life. Father, I thank you this morning for who you are. I thank you, Father, that today you give us this awesome opportunity constantly in our lives to pray just to come into your presence the God who has made us the God who has saved us the God who sustains us and to talk to you with what's on our hearts Lord I pray this morning for that person that's been lifted up those names that have been lifted up that are far from you right now. Lord, we know that you can do far more than we can think and imagine. And what seems like a situation that's impossible for them to come by faith, Father, I pray for that person to return. Lord, I pray for that angry person today, the hurt person, that, Lord, they will be reminded of how much you love them and that, Lord, that hurt would heal 
And Father, we pray for the strength and the faith of each one of us as believers in Christ to continue to grow and that you will do more in our lives than we can think and imagine. And Father, pray for folks that today in their homes or in this place that just place their faith and trust in you for the very first time. Lord, we thank you so much that we are created in Christ Jesus, saved by his blood, and we get an opportunity to worship you and celebrate that. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.